car chase, a fight on the beach, guns, knives, suicide, a new bond, a different Aston, a time machine, a queen with a trident, and more in the pre-title sequence to Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Hi, this is Dan Silvestri. Tom Pizzotto. I'm Vicky Hodges. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com. As today, we crack the code of the pre-title sequence of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. First of all, the pre-title sequence from Honor Majesty's Secret Service cannot be disconnected with the title sequence. It just can't. And so we'll talk about this and why. So we're going to look at both of these here. Now, the gun barrel scene is unique as Bond drops to one knee when he fires. Also note, this is now the third actor we've seen turn and shoot in the gun barrel. Like Bob Simmons in the first three Bond movies and Sean Connery in the next two, this one wears a trilby hat. The hat is back with Sean in Diamonds Are Forever, but he's gone starting when we switch to Roger Moore in Live and Let Die. This shooter's suit is a navy herringbone, which Bond wears the first time when he goes to M's office. Let me add two other details here about this gun barrel sequence. And the first one is that this is the only gun barrel sequence where the blood actually drips down and covers up Bond, uh-huh. which is, was kind of weird to me. Uh-huh. In all of the others, the, the blood is translucent, so the sh- you can see the shooter the whole time. Mm-hmm. And the second one is a bit harder. This one is a little more esoteric. I read about this somewhere. <laughs> I looked at it. Okay. And the thought is that George Lazenby is actually walking on a treadmill for this shot. Uh, I don't know why they would do that because, I mean, it's, it's never, never heard that. <laughs> You'd have to shoot against a white wall, but yeah. that's what I read. So I had to look. So I went through this thing frame by frame, and maybe they're right. Oh, really? The, it, it, I don't know why you would do it, and it would actually be a lot harder to do it off of a treadmill. The gun barrel moves with the shooters like this, so it pans across, so it makes it harder to catch what's going on here. Yeah. It does appear that in one frame, as he turns and shoots, he moves ever so slightly to the <laughs> right on the screen or to his left. So if he was walking on a treadmill this way and turned, he would move the way the treadmill was was, was working. Again, yeah. it's really hard to catch. It's yeah. Esoteric, but, why uh, the hell would they do that? All yeah, right. Well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not so sure. I went, I went frame by frame, and there is a slight movement that okay. happens that was not from him moving his foot. All right. I think we got to ask George about this one and then see what the hell was going on there. Hey, George, you ever been on a treadmill? All right, let's find him and ask him a question. All right, that's got to be one of the questions when we talk to George that we we ask him. All right, let's move on. There is a close-up of the Universal Exports London LTD sign, which reflects the Tower of Big Ben in the background, meaning that the office must be somewhere on the other side of the street or the Thames, more likely. Yeah, it looks like that the Lazenby light post and bridge are visible here, too. Ah. Now, I'm a big Hitchcock fan. Now, Hitchcock yeah. used to put himself in cameos in his movies. Well, if you look closely at the reflection in the sign, you see a reflection of a man walking by. Uh-huh. That man is on Her Majesty's Secret Service director, Peter R. Hunt. Was this a nod to Hitchcock? Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I and we love the Hitchcock stuff, too. We've done a few podcasts on Hitchcock. So that's pretty cool to know that that's Peter Hunt in the shot. All right, next we're brought into a conversation in M's office between M and Q. Q shows M a tracking radioactive lint device and hands M a magnifying glass so he could see it more closely. I love this. M dismissively swipes Q's hand aside, which is a great shot. 
and it, and it and it's perfectly played by Bernard Lee. It is, of course, but I need to talk about the similarity of this tracking link to something similar in the first Mission Impossible movie. Ah, okay. If we remember when Claire's in the cafeteria and she's going to drug William Donlow, she puts a transmitter on his jacket that would likely be mistaken for lint or just a piece of something. Although it was square, it wasn't the same shape as what Q had there, but it was something that would stick to the clothes and use to track Donlow's movements. Hmm. I really think that there's a similarity here and they may have gotten that idea for how they were going to track Donlow from this radioactive lint thing in on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Plus, I like that they put the scene in here in keeping to in trying to keep the continuity with the Connery movies. This scene allows Q to be shown with a gadget. Here's another cool thing. M's desk has the same brass double urns with a winged creature kind of thing in the middle. And it, look, it looks like maybe it's a candle holder or something. And it's the same one he had on his desk in From Russia With Love. Again, a nice continuity there from Honor Majesty's Secret Service and From Russia With Love kind of joining up together there with the same device. Neat. So M says they need a location fix on 007 because number 10 is making ugly noises about Operation Bedlam. That's, of course, the pursuit of Blofeld. And the PM wants to be informed personally when they find 007. Asking Moneypenny where Bond is, we now cut to the fun stuff. We must recall, Sean Connery was finished with his run. Well, at least everyone thought so. And so, this is the first Bond Ian production movie without Sean Connery. Hard to act, hard act to follow for anybody. So, we are waiting to see Bond. What does he really look like now? Where is he? How Bondian will he be? Well, we also see later in the movie that Moneypenny says to James Bond, same old James, again, yeah. trying to tie us back. And then she says, only more so when he pinches her bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. they really do a good job of trying to keep the consistency of Bond, maybe changing it slightly, making it a little more cheeky, if you will. Um, <laughs> but uh, I really like the way they did that. Yeah, I do too. Okay, then, then we see this beautiful shot of the Aston Martin driving on a gorgeous road, curving around near the ocean, the new Bond music is playing, with boats bobbing delightfully in the distance. We've been to this very spot, Tom and I. It is a town near Lisbon called Keshkish, and it is spectacular. If you ever get a chance to go there, go there. It's near the old Conde de Lipe fort, also called Nosa Senhora Nigrasa. The area is called the Citadel of Keshkish, and pretty much looks the same today as it did in the movie. So we stood in the very spot where the Aston Martin was. We parked in the parking lot where, there, where you could see in the distance there. And it's just absolutely spectacular and looks exactly like it did in the movie. Okay, so then we see a car driving quickly down a different road yeah. from quite a distance up and winding down eventually to sea level. This road is not a continuation of the road we saw the car on for the first time. But as we can see, it's an elevated road and he's driving down the elevation back to sea level, where we just saw the yeah. car was. Right. Now, we see the driver with a hat from the back. We don't know who it is yet. We're wondering, is this Bond? I love all the mystery, the silhouette, the mirror, the part facial features teasing us with waiting for the big reveal. Now, an inside car shot looking out of the windshield shows a man with a hat and sunglasses driving with a red convertible in front of him. Now, as viewers, we start to make connections between the hat-adorned Bond from the barrel sequence and the man in the hat. Mm -hmm. Now, this chase lasts quite a while with the red convertible staying in the front. 
Then we see inside the Aston Martin, the hatted man lighting a cigarette. We see a dimpled chin as the lighter illuminates the upper lip to the chin. Mm. Well, in the book Casino Royale, Ian Fleming tells us that James Bond, like Ian Fleming, smokes Moreland cigarettes. Yeah. Bond had a special blend of tobacco used to make his distinctive cigarette. And the paper had three gold bands added to one end to signify Bond's rank as commander of naval intelligence. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look closely at this scene, the cigarette being lit has the same three gold bands as were mentioned in the book Casino Royale. If you knew about this from the book, you would have made the connection. If not, well, keep watching and try to figure out who this guy is. <laughs> yeah, this is a good clue, though. That's a great clue, and it's there. Yeah. So we have the Trilby hat, <laughs> yeah. we have the cigarette. Yeah. Cool. So he takes his sunglasses off and sets them on the seat next to him yeah. near an open book that appears to have maps on the two open pages. What's going on? Where is this guy? They could be maps of the, the Lisbon-Portugal area, which we will find out that this is where he is. Uh, the good old days. He's using maps. <laughs> maps. Paper maps. Could either be a GPS in that car or on his phone. Boy, I remember the days of having to use maps to navigate. <laughs> it's yeah. much better today. <laughs> yeah. Now he follows the red convertible all the way down and sees it parked just off the road between the road, the sand, and the ocean. Yeah, now the beach is, is not far from Kashkish, the co- town we just said where the whole movie started when he was driving the Aston. And the beach is called Priya do Guincho, so Guincho Beach. And Tom and I were there. My question is this, he's racing with her to try to catch her and so on. How did he fall so far behind that she's already down at the water's edge? It's probably two, 300 feet from the car. It's like, and he's just pulling up. It's like, ah. Yeah, that's a great question. It, it does seem a bit odd. Yeah. Anyway, well, it, maybe it's the fact that the Cougar was faster than the Aston. Ooh, <laughs> Mercury, it's a Mercury Cougar. That's true. Oh, man. As the still unknown character, we know it's really Bond, stops near the red convertible with his hat on and he's silhouetted, he opens a compartment. And what's in the compartment? Ha <laughs> ha. The Armalite AR7 rifle that made its appearance in From Russia with Love that was used to shoot Trilenku and to shoot down the helicopter. Yeah, I like this because here's another connection. He uses the scope to take a look at the woman on the beach, maybe 10 feet or so from the water's edge now. Okay, so, so that's another big clue. We have the hat, <laughs> I like we have it. the cigarette, and now we've got this rifle. And it's another little piece of continuity, which generally Eon is not all that good at. <laughs> Well, that's why we like this movie so much, yeah. because they did a very good job with it. Yeah. So we see a close-up of the woman from head to toe as he pans down, just in time to see her kick off her shoes, and her dress is blowing in the wind, and she starts to walk into the water. The man scoping her out, literally, <laughs> neatly places the scope back into its slotted red velvet lined container alongside the other rifle components, the stock, barrel, and so on. But then he races his car off the road, onto the sand, and towards the water. Wait, wait, I'm thinking, wait, if you're in such a hurry, why the careful placement of the scope? That part, I don't get. You know, I throw the damn thing down. I mean, <laughs> it's not like Bond has had any care with any of the gadgets he gets from the Q branch in the past, so it, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. Uh, that's a good point, Vicky. That's a good point. And the, and the critical time element here, ah, who knows? 
the essence. Well, maybe, maybe maybe this is the only gadget he's really felt he's bonded with. Sorry. For Ooh, okay. But, you know, he, he's now used it in in three in in two different movies. Yeah, so, that's yeah. true. He, maybe he likes this gadget. That's true. He's gonna take care of that, even though the woman he thinks is in trouble. And okay, whatever. <laughs> All right, who knows? So the essence screeches to a halt on the sand. Well, how do you screech on sand? Well, they wanted the screeching sound. And so they placed materials under the sand so that the car actually would make some screeching noises. I like that. That's cool. Because it does sound good. I like it. It would have been a little lame without the screeching. So that's good. And he's in a tux, which is another question I have. But I'll save it for later. And he removes his hat and jacket and gun and holster. Of course, he's got to do that so he can swim if he has to. And we can now see his face for the first time. We still technically don't know who he is yeah right well we can assume but we haven't been told yet yeah. the woman is not three to five feet out into the water as he begins to run towards her he must think that she's in trouble even though she's walking out there on her own he has about a 20 yard run to the water's edge now she's still vertical seem- seemingly walking into the deeper water when the man approaches her from the behind there's a long shot then a close-up as he throws his arms around her and hang on, hang on. But before you get there, I know what you can say. I've never heard this before, but there is a kind of an inaudible sound, although I've heard it, so it can't be inaudible, but I did hear it. Like someone is speaking a single word, and it sounds, to me, it sounded like a three-syllable word, like general or something. And it's right at, if you're looking at the clip, it's right at three, the 350 mark or 351 mark of the pre-title sequence. What is that? I mean, I've played it over and over again. I, I, maybe he's yelling something at her. I don't know. Right. Yeah, see, now when I've listened to this, though, I hear Tracy either saying go or more probably just some kind of a guttural noise as oh, she's really? caught by Bond. Go, I'm like hearing three she's been, she, You know, she doesn't know this guy's coming. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And so she's been running. She's emotionally spent. I guess she was going to end her life, although I don't know how we figure that out because yeah. she's just walking. Yeah. But I, in that case, I actually think a guttural noise is probably more likely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've listened to this too, and I think it sounds like no. Okay. As Bond grabs her, uh, as like a limp protest to basically stop, don't grab me, let yeah, me do this be. sort of thing. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, so let's close this part out. Then we hear a couple of gasps from her, and then she's limp in his arms. And she fainted already. She's passed out, and he carries her out of the water onto the beach. Now, as we find out later, she's a very strong-willed person. Yeah. And the fact that she faints there or whatever, yeah. I don't get it. And faints <laughs> almost instantly as soon as he grabs her. It's like, and it's so out of character for what we see of Tracy yeah, the rest of the Yeah, day. yeah. So that part's a little odd. But I still like it. It's a great scene. So, And I'm watching this a whole bunch of times because I really do love this whole pre-title sequence. It's great. And it's one of my favorite Bond movies. So I'm watching this all uh, over and over and over again. And I noticed there's a ship out on the ocean when he's doing this, maybe like at the 10 o'clock mark on a clock. So look for it. Very slow moving, of course, it's out in the distance. And you could see it a couple of times as he's saving this woman, Tracy. It's there the whole time he's running across the sand. It's still there as he enters the water and he grabs her. And as he picks her up and carries her <laughs> carries her out of the water, the ship's gone. Now, it's very slow moving and so on. And now, boom, it's gone. It's like, okay. Well, they weren't going to get that one in one take. Makes sense that the ship would move. Yeah, well, sure. Yeah, they, they weren't going to get... They certainly weren't... That, that does show you that that ship was not part of the movie. Oh, the ship's not part it of the movie. A prop. And they weren't going to get the ship back for another take. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. 
So anyway, he sets her down on some dry sand, which is kind of okay. And then he gently taps her left cheek three times to try to wake her up. And she comes to, looks up at him like she's totally surprised because, you know, she passed out and all of a sudden she's on the beach and she's looking up at this guy. Who is this guy? Whatever. Yes, she doesn't know. Yes, Dan, tell us, who is this guy? Oh, here we see, for the very first time now, we hear the gentleman say, good morning. And now, this I love, the camera angle switches, and it's looking up at him as though it was the woman looking up at him. It's, I think that's a really cool shot. Nice touch. My name's Bond, James Bond. All right, all right, we have the new Bond. Connery's gone. This guy, George Lazenby, is in. We see the camera from below as though she's looking up at him. Terrific. And he continues, Miss, uh, well, you didn't get too far with that. Here, our intro to George Lazenby as James Bond is very close in a way to how Sean Connery was introduced to us in Dr. No. A lot of stuff happens before each says their famous line, Bond, James Bond. Now, as you mentioned, they slowly revealed Connery and Dr. No. Yeah. They had this, you know, Miss, uh thing happen yeah as they're trying to figure out the name kind of thing which is kind of like also reminds me of dr no with the the interchange between sylvia trench and bond miss uh mr Um, and so yeah they eventually they show us that this is bond Mm -hmm. and i really liked how they did this however they didn't do that slow reveal for roger moore and live and let die in the living daylights timothy dalton is one of the guys who parachutes in it's not a slow reveal you see his back and then he turns Mm -hmm. and you see his face Piers Brosnan does get a slow reveal as the, you know, he supposedly the guy who bungee jumps from the dam. Yeah. We see his face for the first time when he's laser is trying to cut the metal. Mm-hmm. And then d- when Daniel Craig gets introduced, it's another quick flashback, but there's no slow reveal here. Mm-hmm. I really like this slow reveal. And it was initially added to Dr. No after they got the idea from the 1939 movie Juarez. I hope they put that back in when they introduce the next bond, whoever it's going to be after if it ever releases no time to die <laughs> yeah me too i love the concept it's a great concept the slow reveal take a look at episode 17 on my the bond room unlocked youtube channel as i take a look at george lazenby's bond in more depth now i have one other challenge of this slow reveal because i really like it mm-hmm. but after they put sean connery into the gun barrel replacing bob simmons mm-hmm. the gun barrel seeing you now see who the bond is so that slow reveal doesn't, you've already seen who the guy is in the gun barrel. Yeah, I don't think you can make out a lot of facial details in the gun barrel sequence, though. I, you know, well, it's, people I mean, didn't even know it was Bob Simmons for the first three, really. <laughs> right, but but you knew it wasn't Connery. I guess you could probably see, but you wouldn't know a new one. You would say, like, oh, I don't know. I, I think it's okay. <laughs> I, don't know. I, just, I just think it detracts just a little from the slow reveal, and I really like that slow reveal. <laughs> okay, so back to the scene. Now, before she can answer, we see a gun at the back of Bond's head and another voice saying, don't move, Mr. Bond. We see another hand holding a switchblade to the woman's throat. Yeah, the guy the guy with the gun, by the way, is a character played... I th- his name is Raphael in the movie, but it's a character played by Terrence Mountain, who we interviewed on another podcast. And he's a, he's a great guy. And it was one of the most fun, inspiring interviews we have done. And he tells some great behind-the-scenes stories. So, yeah, that was really fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So go look for that one. Check that out. Look for our podcast with Terrence Mountain. And here again, he plays Raphael. 
The other henchman is stuntman Bill Morgan playing Clef. And- now, I want to stop you there because you okay. said Bill Morgan as Clef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked this up in IMDb, and they list two people playing Clef, both of them uncredited. So I think the Clef that was played by Bill Morgan is, because we know he was the stuntman in yeah. this fight. Yes. So th- th- that's Clef, if you will. Mm-hmm. But then he Clef reappears in the lobby of the Palazzo Hotel <laughs> when they take Bond to see Draco. And that's definitely Takis Emanuel. Yeah. The other guy credited as that character. So why did they just give each guy a different character name? Why why did <laughs> yeah. it have to be I the mean, same that, person? That's true, because they, they really don't look much alike at all, really. No. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's really funny, though. It, it, I just find it kind of odd that the guy in the lobby has to be the same guy that fought with him on the beach. Uh, that just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I, I don't get that either. But again, that beach... Tom and I have been to at Guincho Beach in Lisbon, Portugal. It is a fabulous beach. It's gorgeous. And we tried to find the exact spot where Bond sets the woman down. <laughs> we actually traced his ride, chasing the convertible, following her to this very beach, all the way from the top of this bluff, all the way down. <laughs> yeah, now if you ever go to this beach, really going to a beach 50 years after a movie was made or 50 years after anything, a beach is going to look very different over 50 years and this beach is no exception it had changed a lot and as you said take those bluffs behind yeah take a look at those bluffs those small hills behind and use those as your guideposts because those don't change that much in 50 years yeah even though the beach was fairly different you know dramatically different well i mean the beach itself looks the same it's sand and that's pretty much the same. Yeah, but there's but the a lot of buildings. Stuff, the drifts and stuff are totally different. There's a lot more buildings around it, but the hills are still there. We got we got some shots of exactly the spot where Bond was setting her down, and the hills are in the background exactly like they are in that shot. So it's still cool, and you can still identify it as the beach, and it's a lot of fun. And uh, actually, we had a nice little lunch in one of the many buildings around the beach now overlooking the water. It was kind of cool. <laughs> Okay, so the guy with the gun now says, now get up, put your hands behind your head. And the other guy is taking the woman away. Now, Bond has no idea what's going on here. He's just trying to save her life. Now, the man with the gun tells Bond to get in a rowboat that's on the sand. Now lie down. Yeah. Bond is not liking this. You can see the hills in the background across the water at this yeah. point. And again, we got pictures of that. And it looks that looks exactly the same as it did in that shot. Cool stuff. Now, it looks like the man is about to shoot Bond. Okay, we have all been wondering why this guy wants to shoot Bond. Bond just saved her from drowning and killing herself. Did they miss that part? (laughs) Even if they did, he's just talking to her as she lies in the sand. So why does this gun-toting guy want to kill Bond? I've never understood this. What about you guys? Uh, I don't even know what's going on here when I first watched this. (laughs) Yeah. We think Tracy was trying to kill herself, but it kind of looks like she was just walking in the water, right? Yet Clef holds a knife at her throat. Does yeah. he want to harm her? I mean, we find out later that he works for her father, so this makes even less sense to me that he'd have a knife to her throat. Mm-hmm. I get the gun on Bond, but not the knife on Tracy. Then Clef just throws her to the sand to go after Bond, leaving her an opportunity to escape. He just had a knife on her. I mean, yeah. what was that for? Then, as you say, the henchman seems to want to kill Bond, but later the henchman's boss wants Bond brought to him. Yeah. 
this is nuts. I mean, it's a great scene, but I just totally don't understand a little bit of the plot point there. I don't get it either. I could I could get the knife on on Tracy because he wants to hold her in place so that she doesn't escape because they're responsible for her. Apparently, that's what we find out later, right? Mm. They're kind of bodyguarding her, and that's what Terrence Mountain says in our in our interview with him. But the gun and trying to kill Bond, I, I just like why why would you do that? Who told you to do that? You're gonna get in trouble if you do that. Like you said, Thomas' boss wants him alive. Basically, I don't, I don't get it. But Bond kicks the gunman's hand and then throws a grappling hook at the man and the famous fight on the beach ensues. The man still has the gun in his hand until Bond finally kicks it out of his hand near the water's edge. Yeah, this is a spectacular shot with the water and the partly cloudy sky and the sun glistening off the water. The shot, the camera angle, it's a low shot, maybe below eye level even, so you can see the action as though you were there. Very well done shot. The fight goes into the water with lots of flips and punches. Now, when when we interviewed Terrence Mountain, who who is the guy with with fighting Bond in the water, the one with the gun, he said that he and George did their own stunt work in the water. And it was filmed in April, and the water, he said, was freezing cold. So check out our podcast interview with Terrence Mountain to see what the solution was for that. Pretty cool. Now, as all this is happening, we cut to another shot showing some fishing nets with the other guy throwing the woman down on the sand as he's about to go and help the other henchmen. Bond looks like he's drowning the gunman. The woman looks up and sees Bond's car and gets an idea. Now, the second henchman engages in a fight with Bond as we see the woman racing off towards Bond's car. The second henchman, once again (laughs) ill-equipped with just a knife, is punched around by Bond with some nice action shots, knocked under a rowing and seemingly knocked out. But wait, the woman is at Bond's car and the first henchman is back as we see him leap on Bond's back. But Bond quickly dismisses him, throwing him into some fishing nets. Now, these are such effortless fight scenes from George. Very much at ease, but also fights like he means it. Mm-hmm. You can see why he adapted to martial art movies later in his career. It really suited him. Yeah, he's good. Meanwhile, Screech again <laughs> tires on sand. Yeah. Mm. Bond's car races up the sand to the red convertible, the Mercury Cougar, as the woman jumps out of Bond's car and into hers. Yeah. Again, nice shot taken from below so you can feel that you're part of the action, which is is really clever cinematography by Peter Hunt. Great stuff. She races off in her cougar as Bond picks up the shoes from the sand, looks at the car driving off to his right and says, this never happened to the other fella, then looks straight into the camera, breaking the fourth wall, looking at us. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There are those who don't like this line, as it clearly indicates, but hey, I'm not Sean Connery's Bond. It's me, George Lazenby. (laughs) as Bond. But most like this line, and it does tie back to the previous Bond movies as the title sequence, which starts right after this line. Now, I think the line works really well in this instance. Yes, it's a nod to Sean in its self-referencing, but it's inventive and a bold tactic, which really paid off. Now, some of you may recall the awful movie, The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, whereby Rachel Wise Evie character is replaced by actress Maria Bello. On entrance, she utters, I feel like another woman, hence highlighting that she is. Oh, boy, it just that, didn't that was a bad It didn't one. help the film. Yeah. It didn't save it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still a perplexing line that many have used to argue that James Bond is just a code name assigned to MI6 agents. The other James Bond is gone now, and the code name has been reassigned. 
Well, for me, this is one of my favorite lines in all the Bond movies. Okay. I mean, how cheeky. To me, it's not this code name thing. I think they play up the Bond history in the title sequence, which we'll talk about in a second. Later in the movie, with the quips with Money Penny and his removal of souvenirs from his earlier missions, mm-hmm. this is telling us we have a new Bond actor, not a new agent playing the role of James Bond or the code name James Bond. Here they flat out say it. Yeah, Same yeah, Bond, I, I different agree. actor, and I just absolutely love it. I agree. And the title sequence eliminates that concept that this it's just a code name as it seems to be a reflective summary and a deliberate connection to the previous five James Bond movies. In the title sequence, we clearly see cuts from Dr. No. We see Honey Ryder on the beach, Dr. No himself. Then from Russia with Love, we see Tatiana on the train. Then Goldfinger and Pussy Galore on the martini glass. And then the glass looks like it becomes a wine glass, and we see Goldfinger himself, then Domino from Thunderball with the great musical score of John Barry, and then we see it's not a wine glass, but an hourglass as it expands back, and we see that time is flowing, time is passing. The images are flowing from the top down, just like sand would in an hourglass. It's a great, great concept. And now we see Largo from Thunderball. Then we see Kissy, as well as several other scenes from You Only Live Twice. So our history lesson is complete. This is the same James Bond, despite the funny line. And this is borne out even more strongly later in the movie when Bond was to resign from MI6 and is going through several artifacts in his desk, like Tom mentioned. Honey Rider's knife, the Garrett watch from his mission in From Russia with Love, the breather, rebreather from Thunderball, and so on. So the hourglass is proof. But you will notice in the title sequence a large clock face with the hands running. One shot shows looks like Bond hanging on the minute hand going backwards from about 11 to 7. Again telling us this is the same James Bond as the missions are all connected There's a backwards history to him, consistent with our experience. Then again, right towards the end of the title sequence, the clock hands again are moving in reverse, counterclockwise, showing us. That's that's actually an interesting take on that because I haven't I hadn't thought about the hands moving backwards because because for me when I saw this I thought it might have been a tip of the hat to the 1923 movie Safety Last, Mm -hmm. where Harold Lloyd hangs from this clock with a minute hand. And he goes backwards just due to his weight yeah. as he's holding on to this thing. He happened to be, you know, the, the hand happened to be on the left side of, of 12. Mm-hmm. So the weight would pull it down to that side. So to me, I just thought it was a tip of the hat to safety last, not to, as you were talking about, looking back in time, which I actually think probably makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a clever, clever way of doing, of telling us that this is all connected, guys. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Now, now one other comment about the title sequence here. Maurice Binder really ratches up the nudity, or at least the nipple count, in this title sequence. The previous title sequences were much less nipply. And now that I've said this, when you watch this title sequence, you'll never watch it again without thinking of those words. I mean, it kind of holds because, I mean, later in the movie, we see the first female character's nipple in the series when Ruby is in bed in Peace Gloria. So to all of us who as teenagers enjoyed the nip slips in James Bond, You can thank Maurice Binder for starting it here in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah, it's good stuff. All right, the title sequence ends with Bond pulling up to the Palacio Hotel in Estoril, Portugal. Now, Tom and I have stayed at the Palacio Hotel, and there we met a doorman 
Jose Alfonso, who was in the movie, and he took pictures. We took pictures with him. That what was so guy. much fun. Great guy. Yeah. Now, there are a couple of other things in the title sequence, like one silhouetted woman on the right holding a trident. A trident's normal use was as a fishing tool. Three prongs, of course, increasing your chances of spearing a fish. In war, it was inferior to the spear, but still effective for the less experienced warriors. Crafted eventually with the center prong longer, so you have the effect of impact of a spear, but then you have two additional potential prongs to do damage. This is the type being held by the silhouetted woman in the title sequence. And she's wearing some type of headdress which rises above her head backwards and swishes forwards at the top. Yeah, it kind of had an Egyptian feel. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking at this. Uh, uh, you know, I've watched this pre-title sequence a, a whole bunch of times. I never really paid attention to that. Then, then I'm, I'm looking at that too, and I'm thinking the same thing. It's like, here's a trident. I have no idea because tridents were popular both in the Hindu and Taoism, and they were used usually associated with water, like Poseidon's trident that he was, he was the god of the seas and so on. So this is still a little bit of a mystery to me when I'm seeing this. I'm thinking, what is this? You see, I actually think the tridented figure is a reference to a queen. Remember, the film is called On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Okay. On some of the old UK money, Queen Victoria used to be seen with a trident. Ah. And funnily enough, back in 1842, Queen Victoria and Prince Albert pulled into Woolwich dockyards on a ship called Trident. <laughs> I think it is a royal reference myself. So with that That's in mind, cool. I looked it up and here's what I found at historicuk.com. Now, the Romans created a goddess of Britannia wearing a centurion helmet and toga with her right breast exposed. In the Victorian period, when the British Empire was rapidly expanding, this was altered to include her brandishing a trident and a shield yeah. with a British flag on. <laughs> a perfect patriotic representation of the nation's militarianism. She's also standing in the water often with a lion, which is England's national animal, <laughs> representing the nation's oceanic dominance. The go. Victorians were also too prudish to leave her breast uncovered and modestly covered it to protect her dignity. Now, see, Dan, <laughs> this is one of those places where we That's Americans good. may miss some of the symbolism that the Brits put in place here. Yeah. So. Thanks for that insight, Vicky. Yeah, it's really I, great to have you on these. That's I mean, spectacular. We missed that totally. That's spectacular, Vicky. I'm going with you on this one. I love that. <laughs> and there is a water connection, too, for the Trident. This is really good. <laughs> I'm really excited now about that. Excellent. All right. That's a great insight as I watch this over and over again, trying to figure out what the heck's the connection here. Great stuff. Terrific. Yay. <laughs> All right. So we saw in this great pre-title and title sequences the intro to a new actor playing James Bond, the attention to detail to make sure we know it's still James Bond, and some great cinematography and action shots to make it exciting. And we're all set for the rest of the adventure to unfold in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. That wraps up our decoding of the pre-title sequence in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. This has been Dan Silvestri, Tom Pizzotto, and Vicky Hodges of SpyMovieNavigator.com. Please subscribe to our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies, right now through your favorite podcast app. Tell a friend about our show, give us a five-star rating, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. <laughs>